G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 119. And just before I get to today's exciting guest, I just wanted to thank those out there that have been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, about my own journey. Uh, You can get that on Amazon on both paperback and Kindle. Uh, Also, thank you for the kind wishes and support and the great reviews and the feedback from right around the world. And I'm so glad it's resonated with so many people. I think it's a book more about what it's actually like to live an intermittent fasting lifestyle by someone that's actually done it, got the weight off and was able to maintain it. Also put in the book some steps to take when things may be not going so well. Uh, You can work that out. So anyway, if you want to get my book, you can get that on Amazon. Okay, let's get on to today's guest. And I'm going to be speaking to the very inspiring Mac McHugh. And Mac is from Portland, Maine in the United States of America. And Mac is age 62 and he's a business professional. And he's a former high school baseball coach and a current high school baseball umpire. Talk about jumping the fence, Mac. And after some hit surgery, the pandemic hit in 2020, Mac decided to turn the pandemic into an opportunity that he could really start concentrating on his health journey. But anyway, I won't hear more from me about it. Let's hear it from Mac. Welcome, Mac McHugh. Oh, g'day, Mac, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Graham. Oh, it's my pleasure, mate. I'm really glad you're here. So, Mac, for people around the world that may not know you, if you don't mind sharing a bit of your backstory and health and weight issues and anything else like that in your life, and what sort of led you up to finding out about intermittent fasting? Okay, well, I mean, I'll go quickly back into childhood, which was a long time ago, Graham. I was never really a, a heavy kid or anything like that. I was fairly active, played sports, you know, and of course grew up before the uh, age of the internet. So I wasn't drawn to, I don't know, video games and, and things like that, like like many of the, the young folks are today. So I was pretty active as a kid. I don't ever remember being, you know, heavy per se, uh, in that sense. And then, you know, I played sports and, and uh, baseball became my, my favorite sport, my primary sport. And I played it through college uh, here in the States. And then, um, you know, that's about the age of 22. I, I got out of, of college. I, I started coaching a little bit uh, on the side uh, when I was in my early 20s. And then in my later 20s, uh, you know, met my wife, uh, who's, you know, we will have been married uh, 35 years come this uh, September. And, uh, you know, life started, as I say, you know, you, you start uh, the family, you know, we have three now adult, adult kids. Um, but, you know, we had the three kids and, and, and you're working to support them and, 
and you sort of get on the, the, the treadmill, if you will, the treadmill of life, the, the rat race, and, and things start to, you know, maybe falter a little bit, at least they did for me from a, you know, from a health standpoint in terms of how well I, I should have been eating, uh, I didn't work out as frequently, you know, those kind of things. And then what, basically when I hit about 30, I started putting on the pounds. And uh, through the years, I, I did different things. I, I, I was a runner. I used to run trying to, uh, to get weight off. And, and um, I was the, probably the, the, the poster child for the, for the phrase, you can't outrun a bad diet. And I, I think that was, that was me. And even to the point, Graham, where I, I ran in, uh, in a six-year period, I ran four marathons. That's how much I got into the distance running. But what, what I never really got into was really stopping and taking a good look at, at you know, proper nutrition and just, you know, how, you know what my, how I was fueling my body. Uh, you know, back then and with the, as we call it now, the standard American diet and all the fast food and, and, and junk opportunities that are, that are out there. You know, you just grab the the quickest, easiest, most tasty item you could find, and and you know those in hindsight obviously are not good choices. So I went through my 30s and 40s, you know, doing that, putting on some weight. I think I probably hit a high of uh, probably 220 pounds or so uh, in my later later 40s, and uh, I had an opportunity just before my 50th birthday to take on a, a be able to coach a high school baseball team. And I love it. I love baseball is a, a passion of mine. And I uh, took that on. Um, and actually, ironically, what you'd think would be just the opposite, the coaching, I actually put on more weight. I was more focused on you know, running a baseball program for a high school, you know, making sure everyone else was taken care of at the expense of my own, you know, uh, health and time and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I actually put on more weight as a baseball coach, which is not a very good example uh, to the players, but you know, it, it, it's just, it wasn't, you know, maybe looked down upon them because so, so many people around us in, in the U S I know, you know, everywhere, you know, are overweight, have some degree of, of overweightness or whether they're, you know, clinically obese or not, but you see it everywhere. And anyway, so I was, I was doing the baseball coaching thing. And, and then toward the end of that, um, I was coming to a point where I was considering, you know, retiring from that, that task. And, um, I did, and uh, I was having a back issue. And what I did was I went to my primary care physician and said, Hey, look, my back just isn't usually I, you know, it would come out of it, you know, fix itself more or less, do some stretching, that type of stuff. But so I went and, uh, got an x-ray on it and they discovered it actually wasn't my back. It was my hip and it was some osteoarthritis. So what happened uh, at that point was they said, you know, the best thing to do here is get hip replacement. So I was probably about um, three weeks shy of my 60th birthday, and I went ahead with the hip replacement surgery. And, you know, I, I you know, from your book, Graham, I, I remember reading it, you know, I, that night they did the surgery. And, you know, one of the things they do is they want to keep you walking. So, the, you know, with modern medicine being as, as great as it really is for many things, uh, I was up walking more, more from a standpoint, uh, you know, I'm talking six hours after the operation to avoid blood clotting and that type of stuff. But they also want to not get, let you feel sorry for yourself too much. You know, while you've just had this hip done and, and feel like, a, you know, feel sort of like an invalid or something. So I'm up and walking and I do my thing. And that night, it's only one night in the hospital. And that night I'm laying there in bed. And, and I think that was my epiphany. 
And when I read your book, I think if I if I've got it right, I think your epiphany was when you got on an airplane once and struggled with a, you know, with the seat belt or what have you, and you just you know, traveling you know when we're heavy is just is not easy. It's it's a burden. It's a burden on other people. It's a burden on obviously ourselves. But anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm having this epiphany right before my 60th birthday while I'm lying in bed after hip replacement. I'm going like, this is not the way this is going to end. I know that's sort of a morbid thought, but I said, I've got to do something. And, and I had a flashback when I, when I was coaching. Uh, I took a couple of my assistant coaches out for a, I think it was a breakfast one day. And, you know, I'm telling them, hey, guys, go ahead, get whatever you want. I'm buying, you know, we're just going to talk about the team and some planning and preparation type work and one of them just ordered a black coffee. And uh, I looked at him and said, Hey, look, I'm going to buy, get whatever you want. You know, don't worry about the, about the meal. And uh, he said, and his, and his, the other assistant said, no coach, he, uh, he does intermittent fasting. And that's the first time I heard the, the phrase intermittent fasting. I said, no, what's that? And he goes, well, I don't eat until one o'clock. And it might've been 11 o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was. And I go, really? And how does that work? And he sort of told me, you know, quick, you know, short story about how, how he did it. And I went home that night and I sort of said, geez, that's crazy. That was my really, frankly, my first reaction to it. Who, who can do that? And then, um, you know, the, the hip happens and all that stuff. And I'm reading a, a book by James Clear and I, I highly recommend it to, to everyone. It's called Atomic Habits. And, and James Clear also uh, had practiced intermittent fasting and mentioned it in his book. And he's, he's got it out there in some of his other information. But you know, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff and I, and I sort of, it sort of hit me laying in bed that, that night uh, when I had my hip done, I'm going, I've got to do something. All the stuff I've done before, you know, it may have worked short term, but the weight came back and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, we, you know, but I didn't come out of the gate that night firing, you know, as the timing of my hip replacement rolled into the holidays and, you know, I had never had any problem eating Thanksgiving meals and, and all the candy and the sweets and all the Christmas events that you go to. So by the time I, I got to New Year's of 2020, you know, we're all sort of, you know, we all sort of get on that New Year's resolution train to some degree where we're going to change some, some habit. And I weighed 230 pounds at that time. And right behind that, here comes COVID. So all this stuff was coming together and our world's in a, you know, just, just spinning for, for lack of between my hip replacement, my wife and I at this point are empty nesters. Um, you know, we said, we got to do something. And what we started out doing was, you know, we had different uh, kettlebells and dumbbells and exercise type equipment in our basement and all the gyms are closed now because of COVID the restaurants are closed, which actually wasn't, uh, I'll get to it. It wasn't a bad thing. So we started regular exercise and we'd exercise three days a week, take a day off, exercise three more days, take a day off. That was sort of our, our routine. And, and we gained some traction with that. But the weight really wasn't coming off. Like I said, you can't, not only can you not outrun a bad diet, you can't out-exercise a bad diet either. So I really geared up on the intermittent fasting, probably around March of 2020. And like I said, I think I, I might've dropped five pounds between New Year's and, and the middle of March. And it was only timing, I think, on the scale. It wasn't like there was any uh, you know, direct effort that, that caused those five pounds to go away. But, um, but I really zoned in then on intermittent fasting. I'm a bit of an extremist. It's like, I just flipped the switch. I didn't gravitate in too much. I, I started out with, uh, like I started with the eight hour eating window, which was basically 11 AM to 7 PM. 
but I quickly, I oftentimes had skipped breakfast anyway. So that, that front part of that, getting to that window was not difficult for me. Um, I drank black coffee before black coffee became the rule, if you will. And um, so that part was easy. And then I quickly went into a six hour eating window and then really gained the traction with that. And we, we got, we got cranking. So the, the quick story from the middle of March till about the first part of September, I dropped 60 pounds and I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was, and I felt great. And it wasn't, I might've had the occasional, you know, headache or, or those cravings, certainly initially, but I was able to, to, as I put it, busy my way through those. And, and after about a couple of weeks, those went away, you know, and I, and I can, I like to promise most people that, that want to partake in intermittent fasting that I think that's typically the experience that most people will get. But, you know, I hit that, I got down from 230 to 170 in round numbers. And um, I've maintained, you know, somewhere between 170. When I step on a scale, if it goes over 175, the flares go off for me, Graham, you know, because I look and I say, look, like I work way too hard to get this weight off to, you know, go back again. It, but I maintain the intermittent fasting. It's easy. And I think I might have gone over 175 once or twice since September of, of 2020. So I've been maintaining this weight and continuing with intermittent fasting, maybe with a little bit more, I'll call just looseness to it. But it, it's, it's my lifestyle. It's what I do. If you ask me today, I can't see ever going away from it. And, and that's you know, that, that's where I sit today and, and I'm thrilled. And, and I hope that, you know, obviously you've got this great platform. You've got your Facebook community, which I've joined. You, you wrote a great book. Um, you know, more and more people, I think, need to know about this when, depending on what numbers you believe, when they tell you 75% of the United States is overweight, boy, we need to find some solutions. And I'll say this, that, that intermittent fasting for me, and I've tried a lot of different stuff, it's, it's been a home run. I mean, I found the fountain of youth from my perspective. So that's sort of yeah. the quick story, if you will. Oh, I think that's fantastic, Mac. Great backstory, actually. And I really resonated with a lot of what you just said then, and particularly about, you know, how you found your pathway and then you just went straight into it. And then that first six months, I mean, that's fantastic, 60 pounds. It's amazing and life-changing in a lot of ways. And I guess when you talked about you started with that eight-hour window, Mac, let's just talk about that for a minute. Was there any particular reason why you started there, or was it just something you thought you could handle initially? Well, I did. You know, I did a little research, Graham. I hadn't read your book. To be honest with you, I read your your book about a month ago, and I, I'd listened to probably I don't know how many of your podcasts before I got the book, and then I joined the Facebook community um, not that long ago. Uh, but the the eight-hour thing was sort of what. I had researched where most people said, hey, start easy. Eight hours is sort of the, the start, the general starting point for people. So that's sort of what drove me to that window. But then after, like I said, after probably 10 days to, to two weeks, I said, I can push this back to one o'clock. I, I, I'm good with that. And, and I did. And, uh, you know, just, you know, again, I stuck with the water and the black coffee and occasionally have a tea. My wife's a tea drinker. She's, she does more of that. She was very supportive through this. And, you know, again, we're, you know, battling COVID at the same time. I mean, we were right in the thick of it at that time. I'm dropping all the weight. And, um, but the eight hour thing was, was just, uh, uh, it was easy and, and it was easy. It was easy for me to shift over to the six hour eating window. Yeah. What about your eating window, 
Mac, when you moved into that, when you initially started, were you eating all the things or was there anything you were sort of delaying? No, I, I did my, my best, Graham. I, I really, you know, we all, I think we all sort of know, or we've heard it or not for certainly I have is, is, you know, sugar is evil. And, and that's, I guess that's the way that might be a strong word, but sugar is evil. It's really probably the most addicting drug in the world, I, I would say. And, and it was for me, if, you know, the two sort of things we always talk about in the, in the diet world, I think are, are sugar and, and the breads and the carbs. And, you know, I, I like good bread, you know, but, but the sugar was more my, uh, you know, Achilles heel, more my weakness. And, um, you know, I, I was able to eliminate that pretty good. I, I actually use an app and I know I'm not here to promote apps. I, I'm, a, I'm a no endorsement deals of any kind. I have no desire for that. But I used an app that tracked your, your food. And I didn't do it from a calorie perspective. I was more concerned about the or focused on the, you know, the macros, the protein, the carbs, the, the fat. And it also tells you how many grams of sugar you, you are taking in and, and, and fiber too, because I think fiber is important when, when you do this. So those sort of five items I, I tracked on, on this app and, and I didn't really, wasn't very conscious of calories. I, I just wanted to, I sort of set some targets on, on the number of grams of those different macros. And that's what I focused on. Some of them to get to a certain level, others to stay under, you know, a level. And uh, uh, I'm a very sort of analytical guy when it comes to that. I love tracking things. So I, I, I used that and, and just really followed it. And, and boy, I started taking off after the first month. And it was just like, it was unbelievable because, you know, let's face it, we live in a world that's impatient. Everybody wants immediate results. And to some degree, depending on your, your focus and, and intensity with it, intermittent fasting will deliver fairly quick results, relatively speaking. Um, you know, in my experience, without any harm to your health, that was, you know... It, I just improved what I was putting in my body, I guess is the short answer. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And yeah, sugar isn't all that great, mate, let's face it. And I think that is the root cause of the world's obesity problem. I mean, if you look into every metric of obesity, it's usually always connected back to sugar in some form. And I think when people do reduce sugar out of their intake, it does make a difference. But, you know, we're not here to demonize foods or anything like that. I know there's people mm-hmm. out there that love sugar and some people can have sugar in moderation. And, you know, even though I say I'm, I cut my sugar out, I mean, I would have to say I'm, I'm low, low, low sugar. But does that mean I'm never going to have anything with sugar in my life again? Probably not. Because as you know, Mac, you go to the supermarket, it's almost impossible to find something that's in a package that doesn't have some form of sugar in it because they call it these other names. There's like 60 names for sugar. And you, as you read in my book there, you know, it gets confusing. Oh, yeah. But once I actually learned that, it made it a lot easier to deal with that. But just give us a picture, Mac. You mentioned there when you were 270 and you were a baseball coach and, you know, sort of living life on the road sometimes and eating maybe not the best choices in food and that. What was your appetite like then? Were you sort of like a big snacker all day as well and during your in-between meals? Yeah, you know, Grandma, I would, you know, you'd put in a day between my, my normal business. I'm a, a business professional and, and I was able to have the freedom to, to coach a high school baseball team. You know, you ate when you could, but what what I my weakness was at at the end of the day, I may not have eaten a lot during the course of the day because I was so busy, but boy, would I would I binge at night? And and when I heard your comments, and you know, I never heard it put in the, in that context, but the closet eating thing, you know, my wife would try to prepare something, so when I get home, um, you know, I, I had already blown through uh, this drive through or that drive through and and shovel down 
you know, whatever for food that tasted good and sounded good. And like I said, there's plenty of sugar in it and it might've come under a different name, but, um, you know, a lot of binging because my, I sort of had my, my window was shut just because I was so busy, but then boy, when I had an opportunity to eat, it was like, it was like, you know, my last meal and it was, you know, it was just not good. It's just, you just beat your body up and, and, um, you know, it was just very difficult in some ways. And I loved the coaching. I loved, you know, working with the, with the boys and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't overly healthy for me. Now that's my own lack of discipline. I'll always, I'll always know that, but you know, every, there were other priorities that came before my health. And, and now I've gotten a little bit more, I'll just say it's selfish in terms of, of taking care of my health and, and then going back out. But, uh, you know, to, to your comments about the sugars, I, mean, I go to birthday parties now after I went through what I call my transformation phase. I'm in my maintenance phase now. I don't deprive myself of social events or, you know, attending a birthday party or a Christmas party or any of that kind of stuff. I just know I'm much better with moderation. I, I just know how hard I work to get here. And that's sort of the, 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 the motivator to, you know, to, 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 to my moderation, you know, of, of those type of things. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. And I think that's the key, isn't it, Mac? You know, you go from that addiction phase when you are obese and more overweight and all of a sudden you get into this transformational phase and then it becomes a more of a, you know, you go to events, you go to things and you do join that moderation. You learn what moderation is all about. And that's the difference. I mean, if you can get to that point away from addiction, that's a huge win. And it's really great that you talked about the closet eating there and that because it's a huge thing for a lot of people that are overweight. And it's difficult for people to admit and it's difficult for people to talk about. And I think when we do talk about it, and particularly when you write about it, it's, it's quite painful to bring that back. And when I was thinking about it, when I was writing the book, I thought, man, that was so bad. You know, like my wife, like you just mentioned, had a lovely dinner waiting for me at home, but I would still pull into the drive-thru before I got home and eat before I had that lovely dinner. And I was hiding that fact from my family. I was hiding the fact that I'd have breakfast and on the way to work, I'd go to the drive-thru again. You know, once I actually admitted that, I, I put my hand up. I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a closet eater. I'm a fast food addict. I'm a sugar addict. And I was able to say that. And then I started to address it. It all becomes so much easier, Mac. And it really was helpful to admit that. And you've got to work through that. If you can get that out of your system and get on to that next phase, I think that's a big step. So well done for saying that. But Mac, also, we talk about the clean fast. Did you get that message right from the start? Yeah, no, I went, I mean, I know in some of my research, you know, they'll talk about the dirty fast and the clean fast and all that. I mean, I just dove into the clean fast. I mean, it was water and black coffee, uh, essentially, during my uh, fasting window. And that was that was it. In recent time, I've incorporated some electrolytes and some other things that, that are non-calorie. They're not flavored. They're not that, you know, that fake sugar stuff that makes something like water taste like uh, raspberry or strawberry or something like that. It's, it's just a, uh, a potassium, um, magnesium and sodium electrolyte mix that I, I have used, but no, the, during the trans, uh, the transformation phase, it was, it was just spring water. And, um, I, I had sparkling water a couple times. Um, I used to be a, a bit of a soda addict, but I sort of kicked that before I got into intermittent fasting because soda is another, um, not, not good type of type of a thing, but sparkling water can fill that void. Um, and I, I drink a lot more sparkling water 
uh, in my maintenance phase, if I have a hankering for a, uh, a Coke or a soda of some kind, I, I usually get, go get a sparkling water and, and it takes care of it. But uh, I, I used clean fasting and, and still do for the most part uh, now. And, um, you know, again, the body adjusts. I always think the body adjusts. It, it's meant to survive. Not that we're surviving anything, but it's meant to make the adjustment. And, and you know, water and coffee are, are more than adequate for me during my uh, fasting phase. Yeah, you talked about habits there before. You mentioned James Clare's great book, Atomic Habits. And I thoroughly encourage people to read that. I think it's fantastic myself. And I think habits is something that we we do have to break when we have bad habits. And that takes time, doesn't it, Mac? It doesn't take overnight. You know, it won't take a day or a week. It actually can take a long time to break a lifetime of poor habits. So it's something we really need to work on. And I think you showed that great mindset there to try and get into it, break those habits. You talked about sorting out that soda sort of, you know, not addiction, but you love sodas and that sort of thing. And I was the same. I love sodas, or what we call soft drinks down here. Mm-hmm. And I used to drink a lot of them. Same as you now. I drink sparkling water when I feel that urge. That helps me. I don't need those sodas. I don't need those soft drinks. The sparkling water takes that edge off because you get that fizzy feeling and you're okay with it. You know, you just think, wow, that's good. But anyway, Mac, we're also going to talk about the non-scale victories and the health benefits. You've mentioned a couple of things there. Let's just run some of those for you. Well, well, for me, the, the non-scale piece, uh, first and foremost to me, is just the, the, the mental clarity, uh, more confidence. You, know, you just feel better. Let's, let's face it, when you look better, you, you feel better about yourself. And, and that's certainly, the, for me, the biggest non-scale victory. You know, I'm, I'm proud of, you know, uh, I went from, a, depending on the manufacturer of the, of the pant, if you will, but I went from a 40, 42 type waist down to a 32 to 34 waist. I mean, it was, I still have a couple pairs of those, those forties. And I just, I just chuckle every now and then I'll, uh, I'll throw them on just so my wife can laugh at me and try to walk around the house without tripping over it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, those, those to me, and just, the, you know, the, the comments from people, although there's, there's some funny ones, but, you know, people notice, you know, so when something like that happens, uh, when that type of transformation happens to you, people notice and start asking why, and Hey, how'd you do it? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you want to, you want to share that with them. And, and if it's something they want to embrace, you know, more than willing, you know, you're more than willing to provide assistance and guidance and that kind of stuff. But, with all these things, Graham, I think as we, we both know and, and, and everyone know, really knows, it's the individual. We have to make the decision first that we need to make a change. And, and um, you, know, you know, with the non-scale stuff, it's not people look at me like, wow, you look, you look good. You know, how old are you? You know, that type of thing. And I, I do feel like I've uh, gone back uh, 20 years just in terms of, of, of mentally. I know not, maybe not necessarily in the mirror as much as I'd like, but but it's definitely mentally, I, I probably feel better now than I did 20 years ago. And, and that's quite a, uh, quite a thing to say and, and quite a way to feel. I mean, I, uh, I looked at 60 and, and then, you know, a lot of people see 60, you're getting old, you got you know, how, when are you going to retire? When you, you know, you, those are the discussions that start happening. And, you know, I'm not talking about that stuff in terms of, I don't think I'll ever retire. And I look at, I still got a third of my life to live. I, uh, you know, people look at me like, I'm, I'll tell them, Hey, I want to live to be 90. So I still got another third of my life to live. I only lived two thirds of my life. That's where my mindset is. It wasn't there when I was carrying all that weight around. 
I was beginning to wonder, you know, he's how, how much longer do I have sometimes, you know, you start getting wacky thoughts, but, but now with the weight loss, you know, I want to, I want to enjoy life for the next 20, 30 years. And, and, you know, I've, I've got plenty of living left to do. And that's, that's a non-scale victory big time. Yeah. Totally resonate with that. And I can understand what you're saying. And actually when you came onto the screen there before, I was thinking, there's no way this guy's 60. I mean, you look a guy in his 40s. So, yeah, it's certainly I resonate with what you're saying about the age reversal. You can really see that in you, Mac. But also we talk about support networks. Um, you mentioned your wife and that sort of thing and, and your baseball fraternity. What's that been like, Mac, the support? Is, you've had any pushback about your lifestyle? Has it all been pretty supportive? Okay, it's all it's all been pretty supportive, and and like I said, you know, it, it's crazy. My wife was completely supportive, and again, it was almost helpful that we're we're empty nesters now. It's just her and I in the house, so you can control a lot more things than when you had you know three three kids running around the house and and trying to make sure everybody was was all set for the day and and all that kind of stuff. But um, like I said, I, I I cranked this up, and and you know, this COVID pandemic thing has been you know just you know. A, a, a terrible event in our, in our lifetime. And we've all had to deal with it in different ways, but in many ways with the COVID, because it did things like shut down restaurants and, and maybe put a little bit of a scare in people. And, and certainly when you read about, you know, if you're, if you have preexisting health issues and if you're obese, you know, you're much more susceptible to getting it worse and, and all those things. I mean, that's a major league wake up call. And, and, that's what it was for me. And, and COVID in, in, in a wacky kind of way made me focus. And, and during that trans, transformational period, I was locked in. It almost scared me, for lack of a better way of putting it, into let's, let's wake up, let's, let's fix this, let's right the ship, let's get going in a good direction. And, uh, you know, my, like I said, my wife has been incredibly supportive. I would say, right, you know, she, she was not, she is not overweight. Uh, she, she, she will dabble with it because now she's reading up on it. And there's, there's, there are other benefits to intermittent fasting way beyond just weight loss. And, and that's the part that, you know, you, everybody thinks of it for a weight loss tool. It's a lifestyle and it brings a lot more uh, to the table in your life. And, and, you know, sound mind, sound body. I, I, I have it the other way around. I think it's sound body. And then sound mine. I, it's it's easier to go in that direction for me than than the other one. But uh, the support group's been great. My kids all look at me and they ask how I did it, and and they're you know poking around now. They're you know thirty and twenty eight and, and twenty six in their ages, and they may not be thinking about you know a lifestyle of intermittent fasting right now. But I want to caution them not to go down a bad road. And have to do the. I, I waited till I was sixty to, you know, right the ship, if you will. Uh, don't wait. Do it now because this works. In my opinion, this works for any age group. And uh, you know, friends, I've, I've helped some friends, Graham, just as a more of an accountability coach. I'll, I'll tell you just a, a quick story that warm, warms my heart. To be honest with you, a close friend of mine, uh, his twenty-three-year-old son, uh, is, is. I'm just going to say he's heavy. He was overweight. And didn't really know what to do with it. Uh, had poor habits, you know, eating the junk food, all that kind of stuff. And like a lot of young people, they tend not to listen to their parents, especially as they get into their teen years and into their young adulthood. So he asked me, he said, Matt, go, can you go talk to him and, and, and tell him what you did? He, he sees, you know, he sees the results 
physically in you. And he's even sort of asked about it a little bit. And so uh, I, I did without the, the father there. My, my good friend was not there. And I, I invited the, the young man over to, to my house and, and said, hey, you want to get weight off? And, and I said, you got to tell me why. Uh, I can help you, but only if you want to help yourself. And, and he did. And, and it was a, it was a sort of a, a, one of those come to Jesus type moments for him. And we talked about what I had done. And I said, I'm just going to hold you accountable to things. Okay. I'm going to hold you accountable to your, your hours. We're going to, we're going to, at, at worst, we talk two or three times a week. And I mean, talk, I don't mean tell, we text every day, but we talk uh, two or three times a week. And, and, and from an accountability standpoint, Grant, what I asked, Grant, what I asked them to do was Weigh yourself every other day, not every day. I, I, there's different theories, but I, I went with this one. I go every other day, weigh in. But I also want you to walk. You need to have some movement. You, know, you need more movement in your life. And with all these technologies, these Fitbits and Apple Watches and all these pedometers uh, devices that are out there, we set goals. And I, I want you know I want you to check in with me. Tell me how many steps you took every day. And, and then I gave him a sort of created a menu for him of food and we, with him, we sat down and put together a menu and we kept it simple. And as James Clear says, we're going to keep this simple. We're not going to have this elaborate menu. Um, we're going to do it a couple meals a day. I want you to avoid snacking if at all possible. If you get tempted, here are a couple things to reach for. And um, he's done it. And I'll tell you this, he checks in, like I said, every two days from a weight standpoint, he sends me a picture of, of the digital readout on his scale. And he sends me a picture of his uh, Fitbit on his wrist. How many steps he, he does that every day. But uh, anyway, he, um, we just hit literally, this is Sunday night here when, as we're, as we're taping this, but uh, yesterday he hit a 50 pound weight loss in 70 days. That could scare some people, but it hasn't scared me. And, and he's, you know, going to, He's still going to talk with his doctor and make sure things are all those blood markers and all those key things are still right. But he's hit a home run. He feels great. The whole mentality around his life has changed. And, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm so I'm so happy for the kid. And and it's just these are fulfilling moments, you know, like your your Facebook community, when you see people making comments and reaching out. I mean, this isn't a you know, a money-making scheme for me. I'm not making a dime. I just want to see this world change. We need to make some changes. And when I see a kid like this and help a, help a young man like this, who's, I'm a 62-year-old guy helping a 23-year-old guy. So th there's a generational gap there, maybe two for crying out loud. But, you know, helping this kid, seeing the change, he's, he's still, you know, we still have work to do and we're, we're going to do it. And he was actually a student manager for me too on, on the baseball high school baseball team that I coached. So we had we knew each other well enough. Like I said, I'm good friends with his with his dad. But um, so he knew me. I th you know I believe he respected me. So that obviously helped things along. But he is he is like what I say locked in on, on this intermittent fasting as a 23 year old. And, and really, all he's doing we we he's eating two meals a day, two healthy meals a day, and he's walking. You know he's walking. He's up to 12,000 steps a day now. And that's, you know, that type of stuff. And, and, and the weight's just falling off of him. And he's, he's, he's health, he's getting healthier by the day. And it's something else to watch. It, it really is. And I'm, I'm thrilled for him. And it's just another successful intermittent fasting story. Yeah. I think that's incredible, Mac.
your NSVs for one, fantastic. But being able to reach out, you know, to somebody else, like that young bloke, 23 years old, a big shout out to him. Congratulations, mate. You'll never regret taking your life back at 23 years old. That is fantastic. You don't have to go through a life of obesity and all the problems that it brings and health issues and everything else. And now you have a whole life ahead of you. So well done and well done to you, Mac, for reaching out to that young bloke and helping him. And I think that's what we can do. We can share our experiences, whether it be through this podcast or through a book like I wrote or whatever it may be or doing what Max did. And you just demonstrated there, Mac, your skills as a baseball coach as well, because that really shines through there because you've got to have discipline. You've got to have accountability. You've got to be having to planning, all the rest of it. And when you're in a team or any sporting team, I mean, I've been in rugby teams, you have to be accountable. You have to be accountable to your teammates. You have to be accountable to your coach. So all those things that you put in place for that young guy, he now has to put in place for himself for the rest of his life. And you'll find that he'll now go on and help other people. And it just becomes perpetual. And if one person helps another, and then another, and then another, it spirals. Just like our Facebook group, Mac, we started with two people. Now we have 6,000. So it just keeps going and people tell each other about it. And then they want to start and they want to keep going. But I think you're right. Age is no barrier. We have people in our group that are 85 years old. And I don't know anybody that's older than 85 and then there might be. But we have a lot of people in their 70s, a heap of people in their 60s. And most of the people in the group are actually over 50. So that tells you something. And I think we all have that moment, don't we, where we think back, why didn't I know about this 25 years ago? Or why didn't I start taking my health back so long ago? But at the time, you just don't think about it. And that's the problem. You don't think about it. I want to talk about weighing now, Mac. I'm interested to know, do you weigh daily or you're not really a weigher? No, I'm, I'm going to say I weigh myself two or three times a week, Graham. That's, my, that's been my approach. Now, since I'm in a a maintenance place, if, if you will. But I do use one of those, I think you call it bio impedance scales. So as, as I got to my, uh, I won't even call it a target weight. I, I didn't even know what, what weight I was going to get to. I just, I knew it when I got there type of a thing. I just felt where I wanted to be. I, you know, you can look in the mirror, obviously. Um, but it, I felt good there. But these this bio impedance scale, you know, it has all these other measurements too. And I don't know, there's questionable uh, analysis on it as far as how, how accurate is it really. And it's not so much the accuracy of it as it was the, the trend of some of those numbers. And I know, and I forget the gentleman, it was probably around uh, episode, I'm going to say in the 90s, and he, I think he was from Indiana. He commented that he had used that too and used it more from a trending standpoint, not so much, geez, I got to get to this number on my body fat or or what have you, because I, I can, I can guarantee you my body fat when I, you know, back when I was 230, 240 pounds was, was well into the thirties. And this scale is now showing me in the, in the low teens, 12% type of thing. I don't know exactly how accurate it is. I just know it's a big difference uh, from the trend from where it is. So they're just additional numbers that, that I, I get into because I'm sort of an analytical guy um, that sort of helped me to justify the one I like the most Graham that this thing spits out and I chuckle at it is, is my metabolic age. I'm 62, but the thing's telling me I'm 58. So I, I tell people I'm 58 metabolically if they asked and, uh, and, and, you know, I get a kick out of that. But so I, I weigh myself two or three times a week during the process uh, of the transformation as, as I, as I've done with my, my young friend helping him along, it was every other day. 
Yeah. Well, you could easily pass for 48 back, so you could probably tell people you're 48 and get away with it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, mate, we're also going to be speaking now about maintenance. I mean, that's a huge thing. I mean, getting the weight off is one thing, Mac, as you know. And for me, maintenance was a whole new ball game, uh, to put it in your parlance. And how did you find that with the mindset of going into maintenance? I know you just continue fasting as I do, but it is a different thing, isn't it? And it is more flexible and you are able to sort of enjoy life, a little, not enjoy life more, but just be a little bit more flexible in what you do. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Graham, with what you just said, the whole maintenance piece. And, and now there's more flexibility. And, and, and like I said, when I was going through the transformation and I said, you know, COVID actually helped because there, there wasn't that many things you could do outside or in the outside world. You didn't have a lot of interaction with people. So that, again, sort of helped. It almost put me in like a lab experiment in a, in a weird kind of way. But I, I think when someone's going through the transformation piece is they're, they're they're getting to the, you know, to a goal weight or, or whatever, you know, wherever they want to end up, whatever that number might be, if it is a number, is I think you need to be a little more dialed in and maybe minimize, I don't want to say totally eliminate, but minimize those, those special events, those one-offs, uh, th- that type of thing where, you know, you can still go to events. And, and my friend, in fact, he just went to a, he told me the other day, he just went to a, a, a birthday party and, he didn't eat any cake. And, and I, I applauded him for it. And I said, you know, you can have a slice of cake, just don't have half the cake. That's the whole thing that we, you know, we used to get into. But the maintenance phase now for me, like you said, Graham, is I, there's, there's two things. I have a, I think I put it on, on the Facebook page, but I, my before and after picture, man, that, that's the wallpaper on my phone. And they're never going to be a greater motivator because every morning I, I'll wake up and, you know, when I first glance at the phone, I say, I'm never going back there. So that's my initial, you know, sort of reaction to, to maintenance. But, but as far as the day-to-day goes, I'm just much more conscious of what I'm putting in my body. Having gone through that whole transformation, um, you know, it's been over two years now since I started. I've been in maintenance phase really for about a year and a half because um, I sort of got to a place where I felt good after six months. So, I, you know, when do we feel like we're safe? We're, we're probably never... 100% safe, but as the habits change and, and there's different theories on, on when habits stick and, um, you know, I just feel comfortable. It feels very uh, intuitive now to eat. It's not, you know, a, a mindless shovel food down your mouth thing. I, I don't have any cravings or desire to do that. It's, I just, you know, I don't have a great answer beyond the fact that, you know, uh, it's just become intuitive because I changed bad habits into good habits. Yeah, and I think that's so true. And I think the longer you go, I mean, I'm coming up three years now in maintenance, Mac, you do become more intuitive with it. And um, particularly around the times, I mean, I know I just eat after five o'clock during the week. I don't, it doesn't matter whether it's 10 past five, half past five, six o'clock. I just eat after five, that's it. And then on the weekends, I do 16 and eights in my maintenance routine, mainly so I can enjoy going down and having a brunch with my wife and meeting friends for lunch and that sort of thing. And the weekends are to be enjoyed. Let's face it, that's part of life. And, you know, people say Saturday isn't a special occasion, but for me they are because that's family time, that's friends time. That's when I sit down, I watch the game, TV, my game's rugby, your game's baseball. And we like to enjoy that. And so the weekends are pretty special. And I think maintenance is one of those things you have to have a goal range 
not a goal weight. Because when you say a goal weight, you stick to a number and you say, I'm going to be 200. I'm never going to over that. Well, that's going to be really difficult to do because you're going to step on the scales and you're going to be 204, 205, 197, and it's just going to go up and down. And so if you can say to yourself, okay, well, I'm here and now I want to stay in this range, like you mentioned before, the 175. So what you do is when your weight goes up to the top of that range, you rein things back in, you might tighten up your window a bit. Drops down below that range, you're getting down too light and you think that you're getting you know, down below where you'd like to be, well, you broaden that window. And that's pretty simple, isn't it, Mac? You just sort of pull the tools and levers that you've learned with your IF journey and maintenance, I find, is easy, but I like to say it's vigilance without obsession. And that's the key. Don't be obsessed about a number, particularly just stay in a range. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you would use the term, you know, the, you talk about the levers, the, the levers, as you say, but, you know, the, the, the there's only, this is what is so, so great about intermittent fasting. It, it's mm-hmm. really conceptually, it's, it's simple. You know, execution's another thing, but the the concept of it is pretty simple. You're you're in a certain window that you're going to eat. You should you know pay attention to what you are eating, obviously, to get that to get uh, get everything in line. But you can move more. You know, okay, I'm gonna I put on. I'm, I'm geez, I went over my my line that 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 sort of wakes me up. It says, wait a minute, rain it back in. Well, you can dial in your hours, like you said. You could. You know, watch what you're eating. Maybe watch, tighten up the carbs a little bit. You could, you could walk two thousand more steps the next day. I mean, there's just a handful of levers that make it so easy to move up and down. Uh, that keep it so simple. It's not. You don't have to worry. About, it's just, it's just the simplest thing. In hindsight, and I knew it was just reading about it. So this isn't. This is it. This is all I have to do. <laughs> you know, was one reaction. It's not quite that simple, but it, it is in in the grand scheme of things. On the surface, there's just a few things that you have to address and, and and sort of manage as you go through the process. Not a not a it's not it's not overwhelming in any any way. No, I agree with that. Mindset, as we know, plays a huge part, and I can really see that shining through. And for me, the mental part of intermittent fasting is probably 95 percent. Because as you mentioned, Mac, the actual process of fasting is simple, and you probably know one of my favorite words is simple. Because what we're doing is we're eating in a pattern of time. We're feasting in a pattern of time. And then we're repeating that process the next day. So in the process of intermittent fasting, to say to somebody what it is, it actually is quite simple. But to do it is a different story. And to be able to sustain it is a different story. And I always say to people, when you start, and like you probably mentioned to that young bloke you're helping, you have to give this 6 to 12 months commitment. And I really love what you said about when you were schooling the young bloke about intermittent fasting and you said to him, what's your why? And your why is one of the most important things. Your why, you look at your photo every morning, you say to yourself, I'm never going back there. My why was for the love of my wife, who I didn't want to travel with and put her in a situation where she was crushed and next to me anymore. I'd had enough of it when I was on that plane you mentioned. And we all have our why. And that young bloke probably has his why. And then he's going to tell people and they'll have their why. So, yeah, the mental side of it, Mac, what part did that play for you? The, the mental side, Graham, was, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's just everything to me. It, it's, it's just the, the mental side, when the weight started coming off, um, you know, the, the mind got better. The mind got stronger. The mind got more positive. It went from negative to a, a negative place to a, a much more positive place. I mean, my own 
daughter recognized it, you know, the change, not in the body, but in the, just the conversations we would have, you know, they went from a negative place to a more positive place. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it affects all these things. And like I said earlier, it's not about just weight loss. It goes way beyond the weight loss. And then once the mind becomes strong, you can deal with the temptations or, or those, those, those places that you might get the, the situations you might get uh, put in that are going to uh, tempt you. You know, you can't lock yourself in a bubble and, and not, you know, like you said, enjoy your weekends uh, and, and enjoy your social life and enjoy your families and your friends. You, you know, that can't stop. And um, mentally, if you get yourself in the right place mentally with this, with intermittent fasting, which you will get in the right place mentally with it, along with a great place physically. Um, I mean, life, you're looking through at life through a whole different lens. And, that, and that's what IF has done. Yeah, I agree with that. I, looking through life through a different lens is a great way to put it. And I know in myself, I became a much more positive person. I mean, I've always been a really you know social person, as you probably read, and I was a life of the party guy and that sort of thing. And a lot of people gravitated towards me because of that. But also inside, I wasn't happy. I was really struggling inside. You know, I went through years of where I had depression and all that sort of thing. And I, I hid that from people. And then when I was, came to intermittent fasting, what I found was a sense of peace because I found a, a peace with food. I found the calmness. I found a calmness that I was able to admit that I was a closet food addict. I was a sugar addict. I was a fast food addict. And once I admitted those processes, everything started to become more peaceful, Matt. My whole persona started changing inside. I started talking to myself more positively, daily positive affirmations. Every single day I wake up, I say something positive about myself. And I always say to people, love yourself first, not in an egotistical way, but in a way that you have love for yourself and everything you do. And then that love flows to everybody around you. And like your daughter picked up, she said, hey, dad, you're much more positive these days. And that's what happens. And people say that to me. They say, man, you hardly ever say anything negative anymore. Years ago, you used to say things negative. But I wanted to circle back. You talked about the pants and the clothes and that sort of thing. And going down from a 42-inch waist to a 32, 34, that's amazing. And I was in a similar boat too. And I know I was traveling with a friend and he was standing behind me in the, in the queue at the airport waiting to get on the plane. And we got on the plane and he said to me, I can't believe it. I said, what, what can't you believe? And he said, you are wearing the same size Levi's as what I am. <laughs> and he said, I would never thought I would ever see the day that Graham Curry would be wearing the same size Levi's as me. And I remember him sitting there shaking his head and he got off the plane and he rang his wife and he said, Graham is wearing the same size pants as me now. And his wife said, what? She couldn't believe it. So yeah, I really get how big a deal that is. And has the clothing been fun for you, Matt? Yeah, it's probably been more fun for my my wife, Graham, because you know she's really good at at selecting clothes. And uh, um, you know, I let her do her thing. I'm just like a almost when it comes to that, I'm like a mannequin, and I just let her, you know, point out the clothes because I'm not I'm never going to win any any wardrobe contests if I select them myself. So between her and my daughter, I let them do most of that, and uh, I trust that I I look I look good based on what they're they're picking off the rack for me. So. Uh, you know, another, and you talk about the clothes too. My, my younger son, um, got married last July. And of course we're all getting fitted for, you know, the suits and the tuxedos, that kind of stuff. And, 
And uh, boy, what a pleasure that was uh, to go in and, and have a, a tailor take his, you know, his, his tape and wrap it around my waist and, I, you know, proudly say, what's that thing say anyway? You know, <laughs> and because uh, that was with a tape, not just a just a pair of pants that said size, you know, 34 on them or what have you. But, um, you know, just like you said, just a, it's just a great feeling. And I, I felt um, like a million bucks wearing that suit. You know, I, I was hoping the night wouldn't end um, and, and just so I could wear that suit all night. You know, it just uh, it's just, you know, just such a it's just such a great feeling. There's no other way to really say it. It's just a great feeling. And when you, when you get those new clothes on and now I'm asking more before it was like, find me my sweatpants and my baggy, you know, this or baggy that. And, and you, you just throw it on almost like a pair of pajamas or something and then sort of hide for the rest of the day after you get home from work. And um, that, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, that, that, that just doesn't happen. I can't wait to put on a nice, you know, pair of clothes or a nice new pair of jeans or what have you and, and get out and, and get about. Yeah. I really love that. I love the suit story. I've actually been known to put on a suit to go down and post a letter at the post office, Mac, just because I can <laughs> and because I, I love it and I love being able to get my clothes out. And that's the great thing about maintenance too is what I love is I, I can go in my wardrobe next door there and I can get all the clothes out and those clothes that have been in there for three years, they all still fit me exactly the same. And that's the great thing about maintenance. I mean, I have people say to me, oh, you you do intermittent fasting. I say, yeah. So how much weight have you lost in the last two or three years? None. And they say, what? You haven't lost any weight? And I said, no, I'm in maintenance now. I'm exactly the same weight as what I was three years ago. Actually, the last time I went overseas, I was in Japan. And when I came back from Japan, I'm exactly the same weight as what I was three years ago. So for me, that's the qualification of intermittent fasting works, Mac. So when you're talking to people, and like you mentioned, you've been in maintenance basically a year and a half or so now, and then you can say to people, well, I got the 50 pounds off, and then I've got those 60 pounds, and then I've got the maintenance on the board as well. And that really gives the credibility to intermittent fasting. I feel that's the qualification. When you keep the weight off, and so many people that do intermittent fasting tend to be more successful at keeping that weight off than other sort of traditional diets. Yeah, Graham, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and it's the same thing. Like, this is my lifestyle and I love it. And uh, I'm, I'm with you because that's the biggest thing I, I say to people if they ask a uh, uh, young man I'm working with. You know, I told him, so this isn't a six month event where you're going to go back to eating what you were eating before. This is a, a lifestyle change. And that's what you have to understand as part of, you know, I, I understand the why that you're here, but you you need to also understand the you know, the changes that have to be made and, and sustained and maintained, you know, and, 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 you know, you can, you can have your indulgences down the road in, in, in moderation. You know, it's like, like we said, you can have the, the one slice of cake instead of half a cake, you know, or a whole cake or whatever, you know, whatever you were doing, it's going to be okay. We just want to get you there uh, through the transformation phase. And then when you get into maintenance, you're going to be so conscious and you're going to understand the effort you put forth and how good your body feels now. I mean, you, you, I mean, I, even now, Graham, if I have a, a little bit of sugar or maybe even too much, whatever form it comes in this, there's sometimes where, geez, I don't feel right. And then I'll think, Oh yeah, I had that, you know, that piece of cake last night. I mean, little things might, might throw you in, but, but they're great reminders of, geez, I, I felt like that all the time before. Now I'm, you know, 
use through my maintenance here with intermittent fasting. I don't feel like that. I might have a spot of it where, you know, sugar wasn't good to me for, for that was in some food of some kind. And, and, and you feel that now because your body's almost sensitized to it and, and you say, stop, you know, that's, that's my, you know, my feeling, my experience. Yeah. agree with that. I think maintenance also brings up other issues, uh, Mac, that we don't talk about a lot. One of them for me was identity crisis. You ha- you can sort of go through a process of where that sort of thrill of the weight loss is over, where you're not going down that dramatic weight loss. The pictures aren't that dramatically different anymore. It's the, the before and after becomes the here and now in your pictures. That's just what you are. That's your image now. But it's when you're in a shopping center and you look in a mirror or you walk past the, the shop window and you go, what? Who was that? And it sort of takes a while to get used to that reflection as you as the you you, and it gets a takes a bit of used to also the way you're treated. I mean, I don't know if you got any treated any differently, but I know when I was 360 pounds, I used to get treated a lot differently by people in retail that sort of thing. I'd go into a shop or a clothes shop, they didn't want to know me. I was invisible to them. They didn't want to handle the problem. And now I go into a shop. It's hello, sir. How are you? How can I help you? It's a totally different ball game. I just get treated so differently. And I think that's a really sad thing, but it's reality. It's just what people see. It's their image that they see. And I had to laugh one day. I went to the doctors and he wrote me a referral to a specialist. And in the referral, he wrote on the top, Mr. Curry is a tall, slim man. And I started bursting out laughing when, I, when he gave it to me. He said, what's so funny? And I pulled out my phone and I showed him the photos and went on 360 pounds. And he said, oh my God. He said, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, well, that's why I cracked up when you called me a tall, slim man. And then he wanted to know about intermittent fasting. So, you know, that's how it starts, doesn't it? But Mac, we're getting towards the back end of the podcast now, but I really wanted to tap into your mindset and experience here. You're sitting down, you mentioned the young bloke that you're helping with and well done for that. What would you tell a team of guys that were sitting around having a coffee? Hey guys, this is how to get started. And just a few words of final wisdom and motivation. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to, assume that those guys knew where I came from, or at least I'd show them a picture. And and if they had genuine interest, and again, if, if they all had their own, their own whys, as we said, Graham, of why do, why do I want to embark on, on, on a life of intermittent fasting? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell a person, I'd probably always sort of err on the side of caution to start with a, you know, with an eight hour window, check how your body's adjusting. Um, and then, slowly close that window to you know, maybe to get to six hours. And I know, you know, there's a 24, there's so many levers like we've talked about with intermittent fasting and, and everybody is different. Everybody is going to react uh, differently in some way to a lifestyle of intermittent fasting, but, but stay, have an open mind to it. And, and, and if one angle or one approach to it doesn't work, there, there's five other approaches, you know, there's, there's just so many different ways to go about this. And I, and I think it, it's important. I, I, I didn't have one specifically, like with this, this young fellow I'm working with. Really, I just call myself, I'm, I'm going to be your accountability coach. And I didn't really have what I would call an accountability coach. But, you know, maybe your podcast was you just didn't know it. or You, you know, it because you're, you're reaching out and you've got so many listeners now. That, that was my accountability and, and reading success stories where this person was and, and where they are now and, and people that are still in the middle of their transformation. There's so much help. There's so much assistance out there. All you have to do is Google intermittent fasting and you can spend hours uh, researching and reading about it. Uh, even though it's not 
I don't know, mainstream per se right now, but it works. There's the first thing I'm going to tell you. It works. Uh, I'm living proof, and there's thousands and thousands of others out there that are living proof. It's just finding the right program uh, within intermittent fasting. Like I said, the, the eating windows and, and the food that you are eating and, and, and that, 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 that it's going to work for you. So maybe it's, you know, is it door number one, two, or three? It's going to, one of them is going to work and you can't give up. You, you just can't give up. And, and it, it's like when you go on, on a diet, I hate to, this is not a diet, but when you go on those old programs, you know, one bad day and everything unravels. You know, with intermittent fasting, you, you might have a bad moment. You maybe didn't eat something you should have eaten. But if you stay within your hours, you're, you're going to be okay. Just the next day, and as James Clear says in his book, don't swing and miss two days in a row. You know, don't let the thing unravel two days in a row. You can have a bad day. We all have them. We're human beings. But stick with it. It works. Uh, you're going to find the answer here. And again, if you need accountability, there's so many uh, places out there on on the internet, you know. And, and you know, like again, Graham, you're, I reference your your Facebook group because that's the one I I follow. And and there's that book. And I've read uh, the other book that I bought initially was Jason Fung's. The uh, was it's more of a reference manual. It's not. It wasn't the Obesity Code or one of those that he wrote. But it was. I think it was his original book from 2016, I believe. And it's just a reference manual for uh, intermittent fasting. It, it's like the uh, operations manual that you get with your car. You know, it, it, there's just so much support out there. You can do this. This is the way to go. And, and that's, that's the message that, that I would give anyone that's considering uh, intermittent fasting uh, as a solution to, uh, to their health. Oh, I think that's fantastic, Mac. And thank you so much for all your inspiration and motivation in this podcast today. And I know this is going to help so many people around the world. And I think you've offered some great insights into how to get started. And, and in your own journey has been truly inspirational. And Mac, thank you for joining me here today on the Fasting Highway. Thank you, Graham. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Mac, just hold the line there for a mate. Okay. Thank you so much, Mac. That was absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed that chat with you. And I think those insights and those drops of inspiration that you gave throughout that podcast are really going to resonate with people around the world that listen to it. And thank you so much for being so candid with your story. Anyway, folks, also, as you heard at the intro there, uh, if you are interested in my own story with intermittent fasting, uh, you'll find that in my book, The Fasting Highway. Uh, You can get that on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. And don't forget, if you are in Australia or New Zealand, you can get it direct from me at the website, and that's www.thefastinghighway.com. But anyway, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.